But you're right. so you're so money and you don't even know it. That's what I keep trying to tell you. So money. Could you, you not mess with it. me right now? Baby, we're not we're messing. We're not. You know what you are? You're like a big bear with 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 claws and with fangs. Big man. fucking teeth, yeah, man. Yeah, fucking teeth on you. And she's just like this little bunny who's just kind of cowering in the corner, shivering. Yeah, man, just kind of. You, you, you know, you got these claws and you're staring at these claws, man. And you're thinking to yourself with these claws, you're thinking, man, how am I supposed to kill this bunny? And you're how poking am I supposed at it, man. You're poking bunny? at Yeah, you're not hurting it. You're just kind of gently batting the bunny around. You know what I mean? And the bunny's scared, Mike. The bunny's scared of you. And you got shivering. You got these fucking claws, claws and these fangs, man. And you're looking at your claws and you're looking at your fangs and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know how to kill the bunny. With this, you don't know how to kill the bunny. Do you know what I mean? You're like a big bear, man. Now, look it. When you go up to talk to her, man, I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. You're not sure he's coming from, okay? You're a bad man. You're a bad man. And welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, where each week we attempt to pair the best in cocktails with the uh, best in comic books, um, if and when we can find them. Uh, So, uh, we have our standard uh, accoutrement of people here with us today. Um, We have been abducted by aliens in the middle of the Nevada's desert. We have Todd. The humanoid formerly known as TODD is now property of the Robot Federation of Alpha Beta Prime. He has been sentenced to 5 billion years of menial labor. His service to the Robot Federation has begun. Your robot overlords thank you for your attention. Long may the Federation Also in the uh, cruel state of Utah we have, is it nap time yet, Adam? (laughs) Hey, it's me, it's Adam. Uh, come read my reviews on Big Shiny Robot, listen to my movie reviews on the Board as Hell podcast, and please come see me shortly at Salt Lake Comic Con, where I'll be on multiple panels talking about everything from LGBT issues to Bitch Planet to Calvin and Hobbes, so I'm kind of running the gamut of my panels this year. <laughs> cool, and I will actually be out there to visit and yes. see things, so... And if you come see me uh, and you want to visit me at the Monaco during wine hour, I will slip you my room key so you can get free booze. Nice. Uh, in the great state of Maryland, uh, director, choreographer, actor, <laughs> costume designer, exotic dancer, we have... Moist. Yeah, moist. Oh, it was so moist last night. So I was helping house manage for our outdoor theater that um, our friends work at, and it was so moist. Like, I, I was probably one of the in- most uncomfortable that I've ever been. It was so gross. I would just, like, put ice, like, in my pants and it, just to try to feel better. It was so disgusting. It was but, like when you uh, go to church. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, well, wait, wait, no, I need an explanation now. Well, no, I mean, I mean, it's just hot. It's just hot. Um, so all of these, all of these things. So I'm currently working on a bunch of a bunch of different shows. White Christmas is finally cast, but we can't release the cast list until after the winter or the summer meeting tomorrow. So, so oh, right here on the podcast. Right here on the podcast. <laughs> um, technically, you could because it's going to come out after the cast. <laughs> I mean, because none of them listen to this. Um, 
But anyway, so that's finally cast, so that's exciting. Uh, working on Gypsy at Reston Players, uh, and I'm also working with uh, the Special Players of Southern Maryland, who are a group of adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities who, for the love of theater, also like to perform, and so I've been helping them out, which is super awesome. Today, uh, we choreographed their big finale, one from Chorus Line, which was pretty awesome. I'm just saying it ends with a kick line, like, because it happens. Oh, nice. Fourth line. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I've been working on a whole bunch of crazy shit, and, um, yay! Yay. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, uh, Brian from Southern California with nothing interesting going on, but I will be at Comic-Con, so, uh, if you'll be at, well, Salt Lake Comic-Con to be specific. The um, best Comic-Con in the country. Uh, and it's my first full Comic-Con experience, oddly enough. I, uh, Ironically, based on where I work, um, it's very strange that I have a minor phobia of crowds. So I have never really volunteered for a Comic-Con, especially not San Diego. Uh, so going to Salt Lake Comic-Con is my first sort of foray. Um, I went to one day, like the last two hours of the first uh, Long Beach Comic-Con, just to check it out. And I, I remember I bought like... At that point in time, the four issues that were out of Kick-Ass, the first run of Kick-Ass, because I was reading that book and had a hard time finding stuff, I bought those there, and that was about it. And I saw Derek Robertson signing stuff, and that was that was the end of, that was my entire Comic-Con experience there. And so that was fine with me. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, so this week we are reading from 1987, and boy does it read 1987, folks, let me tell you. There is a very lovely reference to Lionel Richie, as well yes. as um, product placement for Kmart. And, uh, and Kmart a, still exists, and Lionel yes. Richie is still relevant. But, <laughs> of course, then there was the E-Spirit shirt, which I had forgotten about the E-Spirit shirts, and then I saw Rogan in the E-Spirit shirt, I'm like, oh shit, that was such a thing. Like, I remember, like, in the 80s and early 90s when girls had E-Spirit shirts everywhere. Anyway, so it's an X-Men book. It's X-Men versus Avengers. So since it's being an X-Men book, I will give you three guesses as to who recommended this book. Um, <laughs> so being that, uh, Q, you want to give a, a five-cent tour, a little preview of uh, this yes. little number? So um, this story happens after the trial of Magneto where they are trying to, uh, the world court is putting Magneto on trial for uh, crimes against humanity. And um, uh, he, he escaped that trial. I can't quite remember. I think, like, Fenris attacked and everybody left the court, blah, 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 blah. So, the uh, Avengers are trying to bring Magneto back in for, to have Magneto answer for his crimes, but also the uh, Soviet super soldiers who were also used to be called the People's Protectorate, and they've had all kinds of crazy um, names. They also are going after Magneto, but they're actually wanting to kill him instead of, uh, instead of just bringing him into justice. And so the three fraction, uh, factions of people all you know, intermingle, and not every it, no one's really a villain, no one's really a hero. It's all kind of gray area. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good little that's, preview. That's a good little five-cent tour. So, um, yeah, wow, this is like the most efficient episode ever. Holy You're shit. welcome. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, we're six minutes in, we've done introductions, we have previewed the thing, we haven't gone on a rambling rant about anything, it's shocking, really. Uh, we obviously have not been drinking enough, so... I mean, I could talk more about being moist, but... Well, we, we could go that way, but let's... Shame. Shame. I, do, I do find it funny, those people who have, like, an aversion to the word moist. Like, yeah, it's me. 
I mean, I do think it's a weird sounding word, but I think napkin is a weirder sounding word. So, really? yeah, nap napkin. What what P and K being put together is a really weird sound. As he as he moistens, makes me think of pussy, and that's just not good for me. Uh, well, so. I mean, yeah. But I mean, no, but girl, if you were sitting outside of the outdoor theater in like the 100 degree, 100 percent humidity, you would have been like, "Ooh, girl, I'm so moist." Oh, I spent, I spent a week in Puerto Rico last year. Trust <laughs> me, the, the coolest it got was 95, and I think the humidity hit 98 one day. That was like our our nice day. <laughs> Which not not to knock Puerto Rico because it was a it was a uh, vacation that work paid for because we did a good job at our jobs and paid for everything. We had a fantastic time, and I would love to go back. But I did. I've never been at a place at 2 a.m. where it was 95% humidity and 100 degrees, oh. and I thought I was going to die. Yeah, it's it's so it's very similar here. Yeah. Um. So I had to go to work early this week, and uh, so I had to be there at 5:30. Ooh, that time should not exist. And so I left my house at 5 o'clock, and I brought a little, you know, a little jacket, thinking that oh, you know, it gets kind of chilly in the mornings, and you know, it might be cold on the bus. And so I had my jacket, and I took one step outside of my house. I was like, oh, this is fucking disgusting. (laughs) This is the worst ever. Like, you couldn't even breathe. It's like you're just drinking water out of the air. So gross. So, vacuum boy, how how hot is it in Ely? This message has been redacted by our robot overlords. Well... It's time for our little shots dance. Uh, we're gonna take shots. a little break. Shots. Uh, if you haven't read this book and are interested in reading it, or you, you know, uh, if you, well, if you've already read it, just kind of keep plowing through. Uh, if you haven't read it and you want to read it, pause us now, and uh, we'll rejoin you when you press play again. That's the magic of modern technology. Uh, we'll wait, and uh, in the time, we will have shots. And uh, if Adam spills the shots on himself, he will become moist. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, asshole. <laughs> so. Have a moist good time, and we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> God damn it. When Captain America throws his mighty shots, 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 Moist, 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 well, we hope you had a moist good time, and uh, we are moist back, and um, God damn it. we're moist ready to moist read this moist book. First of all, hash, hashtag moist is going to be on every uh, post online about this, about this this episode. I will not share my room car with you to get hors d'oeuvres and nibblies and wine. Are you actually staying there? Because I, t- I haven't heard back from uh, from uh, Jimmy yet about that. I actually, I just booked the room because uh, it will, if, if, you know, in the past, the Monica has been really, really generous and amazing. And if you ever come stay in Salt Lake, especially for Comic-Con, uh, it is the best hotel because it's literally across the street. Uh, it's pet-friendly. It, it's just an old-school, wonderful hotel that I love from the bottom of my heart. Uh, but they've always been very generous and done a Comic-Con rate. So, but are they um, moist? Oh, yeah, moist talents <laughs> everywhere. Uh, but no, as of right now, we haven't heard. But to be honest, I looked at the rates, and the rates aren't really that much or they're not that, not that bad. As long as you like book it now and book, don't book for Wednesday. If you're going to do it, book Thursday through Sunday. Like, you know, check out Sunday because uh, I was double checking because our friend Andy's flying to town mm-hmm. and he's going to stay there or stay somewhere. And it's 120 bucks a night for a, uh, a double, uh, double bed, double suite room if you do Thursday through Sunday. But if you add Wednesday on, the price goes up to 250 a room. So I That's don't know what they're algorithm is that explains how they do the pricing 
but it's not that much more and I figure worst case scenario if they do the awesome discount they've done before I can always cancel and re and re uh, do a reservation but yes the Hotel Monaco uh, will hopefully one day be sponsoring the Funny Books and Firewater podcast because of all the chat <laughs> we need we lots do. of sponsors we need an alcohol sponsor we need a you know, all sorts I, of yeah. Things. I still need to go hit up uh, the, the Sugar House Distillery, who has delicious vodka. But that's... well, maybe we'll have to swing by there when I'm in town. Yeah, and we'll have we'll have our fancy new business cards, which I'm excited to see. Oh yeah, those are great. Actually, I have those. So yeah, so if you come to Comic Con and you run into me or Adam or Todd, uh, Key won't be there. We will have some business cards if you want one, but you already know about the show. So and it's business cards really apply to you, but because we love you, we will give one to you. And so. Q will just give you moist hugs. Moist yes. hugs from moist Maryland. Hugs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the word moist more than I like the word yeasty, though. Yeasty just sounds gross. Oh, like those two kind of go together like a, a, a yeasty moist. Oh, that's disgusting. You crossed the line, sir. <laughs> oh, with that of all the horrible things I said. Yeast and moist. <laughs> and you, you, but you have to get, make yeast moist to make it work. <laughs> My God. Okay. And oh God, where have we gone now? Look at, Anyways, uh, Avengers versus X Men, or however you want to say it. Yeah, so Avengers versus the moistness of the X Men. Um, so we start out with. Um, so I don't. I mean, this it's a fairly simplistic book, so I don't know if we need to necessarily go page by page. But we do start out with one of my favorite things, which is Captain America saving El Kmart. Uh, which, yes. Which I love that he walks in. Looks for the security guard, and this poor security guard's like, oh shit, right? And then, of course, there's this character named the Druid, who I've never fucking heard of before. Dr. Druid. Okay, he's so he's a doctor. Lightness. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my god, he's he's a terrible character. Okay, he's, so. he's, awful. he's he's always on one of the top ten worst Avengers. So Dr. Druid has this really weird backstory where he's this, uh, like he he and his lover are like. Um, they're continually reincarnated and he has these mystical powers which are completely ill-defined and dumb. So, like, even Doctor Strange, to, to a certain extent, has, like, some limitations, whereas Doctor Druid has never had any limitations on the shit that he can do. But the entire thing is, uh, you know, at some point, like, later in the book when he's like, oh, I hope I get to be the one to find the X-Men so everyone likes me, because you find out that, really, he's just trying to portray the Avengers eventually. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he's just a terrible character. But he's one of the reasons that I love this book because it's like, seriously, like C and D list Avengers versus like the like B and C list X Men from the eighties, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say because I I I know obviously I knew the X Men characters for the most part, and but the Avengers characters, I was like, I know She Hulk, I know Thor, I know Cap. Who the fuck is this asshole who thinks he's cool? Who yeah. <laughs> bitch? He's nobody. But like even even um Thor bitch. is like wearing his like weird like eighties armor with his beard and it's like what are you doing, Thor? With his big ass wings on his head. Yeah. He's just weird. <sighs> um but yeah, so so they're saving the Kmart because because um, there's an asteroid. Yeah, well, recently in as because once again, that's why it's great to have the little stars with the little footnotes at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> recently in a in a new warrior, new warriors, new mutants issue, a character called Magus, their warlock, are flying through space and they. Um, crash through Asteroid M, which is Magneto's old uh, headquarters in space, and so the uh, fragments are now falling to Earth. So the Avengers are saving the Kmart from an asteroid shower. Correct. 
And at the end of it, they realize, oh wait, these things are magnetized. Oh shit. Dun dun dun! There are, you know, there is some sort of uh, creature inside of it. And then, of course, <laughs> jump to, they leave Kmart, which, okay, so wait. Is this, is it Moon? Who is the knight? Uh, Dark knight? Black knight? Dark what is knight. Uh, bl Black knight. Black, Black knight. knight. The same. What, what is his backstory? Because I wasn't familiar with him he's either. Nobody. Okay. Um, he's, <laughs> he's this guy who's like imbued with a spirit from like the 13th century or something. He, he has a really cool sword that can cut through anything. That's honestly about it. Okay. Yeah. So he, he eventually hooks up with the Eternal Cersei. I mean, that's kind of cool, but that's about it. Wait, the brother Cersei. The Eternal character. Cersei. Oh, I think the brother fucker from Game of Thrones. No, no, <laughs> no, no. She's a, she's a Marvel character. So okay. anyway, um, she was P.S. Cersei from Game of Thrones is way fucking cooler than Cersei from from the Marvel Universe. Just, just in case anyone had any questions. She even spells her name stupid in the comments. It's S-E-R-S-I and I'm like, that's dumb. It's a dumb way to spell your name. Anyway, uh, so then we're introduced to the uh, Soviet super soldiers, which I'm going to go ahead and insert my, my drink right here. So I did, uh, like what I did with uh, Kingdom Come, I came up with uh, a team, team shots. Um, we'll just, we'll list the, um, the recipes online, but I have Dark Star, Vanguard, who are brother and sister uh, mutants. Uh, she controls the Dark Force, which is a really ambiguous, nebulous thing. Really, she can just create constructs out of um, this black energy uh vanguard like a, a marvel green lantern is kind of what i got yeah yeah a, a, a little bit um and then there's uh, but the dark force like a bunch of different characters can also access the dark force like cloak who we um had in civil war also is connected to the dark force dimension vanguard who is her brother he can repel energy which i think is a really dumb power um ursa major who just turns into a giant bear yeah, who, who leads to one of the few of my favorite moments in this book later, I will say. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he he's he's kind of a joke character. Yeah. Um, it, it, especially because he's he obviously just does nothing. Like he really doesn't contribute like a, a whole lot. Bear man. It's, it's basically, just, if you, yeah, if you had a bear tag along with you and do shit. That's what yeah. he does. Yeah, right. That's that's literally what he does. And then um, Titanium Man, although he's I think like the third or fourth iteration of Titanium mm -hmm. Man, and inside of him is Gremlin, who is another mutant. I think he just has like super smarts, which is why his head is so freaking big. Um, and then of they're course. joined by the Crimson Dynamo, who's an old. Uh, Iron Man villain, who's another uh, Russian kind of guy, and they're like, "Ooh, Magneto is so terrible, and he killed Russians. We should go kill him." Ah, rabble, so rabble, 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 rabble. Yeah. So, so that's what they go do. Obviously, most of my shots are vodka based because Russia. Um, and because and, and the, you. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's also what gives me my life force. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then you know, moving on. If anyone else wants to pick up, so I'm not the only one talking. I feel like I talk too much in these things. Okay, well, so, so did now? Did you actually give the recipe? I don't know if I. No, that. no. We'll just put, I'll just post the recipes online because there's it's five different shots. Okay. So okay. So then we jump to one of my favorite moments, which is Spring the X-Men hanging out at the beach in some fairly scantily clad uh, uh, swimsuits. Which a that is awesome, but b the uh, name drop of Lionel Richie. 
which I have to quote this because Lionel Richie's music makes me want to sing and dance all night. Don't you just love it, Magneto? Like, listen, my... Dazzler is awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Well, and then, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, see, and this reminds me. So this scene right here. Uh, did any of you guys ever collect the? It was the Flare Ultra X Men trading cards back in the nineties. Uh, obviously, I have all of them. Yeah, but do you remember they had a whole run of X-Men of the Beach? Mm-hmm. And I remember as my little preteen budding gay self, there was uh, Cyclops and Iceman, and they were both shirtless, and Iceman was making ice in the Cyclops drink, mm-hmm. and I pretty much shot a load of my pants the first time I saw that. I was just amazingly <laughs> hot for some reason, because I was like, oh, God. Yeah, and Havoc is, is really hot. Although, so, to talk about art for a minute, like, I've never been a huge fan of Mark Silvestri, and especially at this time in comic books, like, things were just kind of sloppy. Like, there wasn't, like, a really nice stuff, like, for example, and this is more of the colorist and not Mark Silvestri, but um, the one scene with um, Longshot and Psylocke, who are staying back at the mansion um, during this entire story, like, Psylocke's entire, from neck to her feet is colored purple, even though she's still drawn to be wearing her pink costume. It's like, um, yeah, there's th- that whole thing just isn't a block of purple. <laughs> um, but I, but uh, so it, it is definitely that like weird '80s comic book thing where like things aren't quite as perfect as we're we're kind of used to seeing them now. But it's still not that on purpose grittiness that uh, like a DMZ kind of is. It's just kind of, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of sloppy. It's kind of, kind of weird. Todd, no, I don't love DMZ. And, um, Todd's <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. just sending messages just to be like, just to try to provoke in the background. <laughs> yeah, He's see, like the watcher you, on this episode. For those who are new, we, we, in this program we used to record, we've got a little chat session going on. And it's, the, the things we put there, they're just, they're not nice. So, <laughs> they're, they're not, Compared to what we're saying here, they're not fit for human consumption, so... You're we just saying that because the wind moist has showed up like 14 times on it so far. Today. <laughs> um, so anyway, so at, at, after, during a commercial break of uh, MTV videos of Lionel Yeah, which Richie, I also love too. I was like, oh, wow, videos, I forgot about that. <laughs> when MTV played videos and... Well, that was, this was when they still did that. This is yeah. in the 80s, so... Um, uh, they, there's some news coverage about the asteroids uh, falling to obviously spark Magneto's interest, and so he leaves, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess we gotta go, like, figure, you know, figure out what's going on, and then the Avengers are like, oh, this this is Asteroid M, we should definitely go investigate all this nonsense, and Magneto was this bad guy, and She-Hulk gets to say some lines every so often, and... Yeah. Um, well, she's a woman, so what would she have to say? <laughs> well, Captain Marvel does actually get to get to play a, a big piece of this, which I'm I, I'm I'm grateful for. Although I will say that she still feels a little um, like a little fetch. Like they're just like we're going to make her happen. Like <laughs> going to happen. She is a black woman. She's got pretty cool powers. She's going to be the leader of the Avengers. And Todd, I do also uh, dig Captain Marvel's outfit. I love, I love like the weird wing things that attach to her costume. Yeah, like she um, looks like one of those like squirrel flying suit type things. Yeah, um, and when her her powers are pretty unique. Like she can change her body into any form of energy, which is kind of awesome um but uh 
Yeah, uh, and then, and then you know, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, or is this a different? So she she is this uh, she is second. It's because at this time, Rogue has already stolen Ms. Marvel's powers, and so she is not. Um, so she is not uh, Ms. Marvel, and I think also by this time she has already become binary, which she gets powers through. Hashtag space adventures, and so now she's connected to a star and has star powers. So I have a question, and actually, Q, you're the best person to answer this. Um, what happened to Storm's powers? Because they allude to it, but they don't really say what happened. Oh my god! Oh, so this is oh, it's such a great story, and and uh, and maybe we should do it some other time. But I, I didn't know because I again, no, I was yeah, yeah. So um, so what happens is uh. Rogue, who is also a former villain, which is why she is really kind of uh, empathetic to Magneto um, having a thing. So she she was a villain. So the U.S. government uh, has Forge develop a power neutralizing weapon, and Destiny, who is uh, Rogue's foster mom as well as Mystique, um, is has one of her precognitions was like, um, you know, something really bad is going to happen to Rogue. We should definitely try to look into this. And Mystique is like, okay. Well, you know, we should um, we should go and try to figure things out. So a f- battle ensues between like U.S. government people because at the time Freedom Force was the U.S. government's um, uh, mutant kind of team, which was weird. It was kind of like a Suicide Squad thing where they hired villains. Anyway, um, so they're gonna fire on Rogue and Storm. Uh, goes and pushes her out of the way, and so she gets fired by the neutralizing weapon, and so her powers get stolen, and so she's uh, just yearning to get her powers back. Um, But yeah, so also very soon after this is the infamous Storm Without Powers versus Cyclops, where Storm uh, beats Cyclops to be the um, leader of the Mm X-Men, and Cyclops retires to go spend time with his wife and their newborn son, Christopher, who hashtag, they called him Christopher, and then for randomly, people start calling him Nathan, and they forget (laughs) that his name was actually Christopher Nathan, and now it's Nathan Christopher, and then he grew up to be Cable, hashtag comic books. Um, Okay. Yeah, but I do love that this is the, the storm with the mohawk because I've always yeah, well, loved first of all, the storm with the mohawk is the best storm, yeah. and the, the the leather vest is pretty and, and the, the titties and, the... and yeah, titties, um, titties, what's titties? <laughs> titties. Um, but yeah, so then you know the Avengers and the X Men fight, and as they start fighting, all of a sudden the Soviets. Uh, show up and confusion, and no one actually wants to speak to each other. So let's just all fight it out. Well, because they don't speak the same language, so you know. <laughs> it's um, translated for them. It says so in the Lost Star Talk. It comes in. I mean, can't you hear the brackets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't you see the speech bubbles? God damn it! <laughs> um. So fighting, fighting, fighting. I mean, I don't think there's really anything major that happens in in the fights. No, um, they, really doesn't. They mind control Dark Star. Yeah, so so Druid does mind control because that's what he does. Um, it's kind of like uh, when Meg got the superpowers in Family Guy and she could make her fingernails long and could barely maybe hurt someone. <laughs> um, I will say, so plus about the art is that I always, I love this um, time in Havoc's um, story is that um, his suit helped c- control his powers because both he and... Um, Cyclops can't control them, and so as he 
absorbs more power. His suit becomes more white. Um, which and so like I, I always love like his all black costume and it gets more and more white as as it goes on. I, that's a racist rain. thing. <laughs> He's just full of more power. I don't uh-huh. understand what you white mean. Power. So you're about white power. I see how this goes. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're terrible, Mew. That reminds me of a great South Park episode. <laughs> now let's go take a hot shower. Hot shower. Hot. <laughs> um. So yeah, Magneto, and I, I will say that this is very hokey comics, is somehow Magneto has circuitry to put in his helmet to like make yeah. him like tamper with people's minds. That's pretty yeah. like Deus Ex Machina. It's like, hey, we, we don't oh, know where God. to go, so we're going to give someone god powers to do whatever they want. And... But, but, I mean, at the same time, like it is so like a thing that comic book characters do. But that does lead to one of my, down the road, one of my favorite comic book moments in history so in this book or just in in this book it's one of my favorite uh, well at the end when it deals with Captain America and Magneto okay which we'll get to in like 30 pages so okay so they go to Singapore yeah so then they're in Singapore and there's like this other like ragtag group of mutants that live there and you got Rogue being a hoe Rogue is not a hoe She's kissing everyone. She's she a kisses hoe. people to absorb their powers. It's just the <laughs> easiest way to do it. Hey, if people kiss me on demand, I'd be a hoe too. <laughs> and besides, she doesn't get that much action, so why not use that as a weapon? Um, <laughs> that's her. That's her. Well, that's something. <laughs> that's something. So yeah, so in Singapore, yada yada yada, more fighting. Who's are they actually going to bring him into court? Okay, so in the ship, this is one of my favorite things ever, which is, so the, the ship is sinking, right? Yes. And She-Hulk is trying to get Ursa Major out of there, right? And so, of course, he's, like, he's stuck, he can't fit through it because he's too big. So he transitions from a bear back to human being. So, of course, then She-Hulk... Totally checks out his balls and is like, oh, no kidding. Like, basically checks well, out the naked dude. That's because she, uh, She Hulk is always DTF. <laughs> she just is, and I and I love her for that. She's awesome. She's like, yes, I am a six foot one, bomb ass green bitch. So, uh, okay, okay, little bear man, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on down there? Um, <laughs> So yeah, so Crimson Dynamo tries to... I was to- in the water! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although, to look at her face, she is she is impressed. Yes, she is. Um, it's like, oh, hi there. No kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so Crimson Dynamo... So that's what an uncut penis looks like. Like, like ex- explodes the boat. So they have to get everybody off. The the Russians are all like, oh, sorry, we'll bring him to justice. Yeah, right, like, you tr- fucking trust Russians. Um... <laughs> And so that, you racist bitch. <laughs> then, he's talking about white power. Then he doesn't trust the Russians. <laughs> Holy crap, Trump supporter! What the hell? Uh, oy. <laughs> Trump loves oy. First of all, people Trump. should be able to have weapons in bathrooms to shoot all the trans. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that video was so awful. Oh my god. Anyway, yes, I can't. Did you see? Did you see the tweet about uh, Utah? No. Oh, here, let me find that real fast. So that that one. T- so there is a tweet he made that is. It's difficult to say if it's true or not, because if it was true, it was deleted moments later. Uh-huh. But, I mean, and it's easy to make a tweet, but the one I saw was, uh, it's kind of funny, because one of our, our one of our best newscasters up here, reporters, uh, Ben Winslow from Fox 13, we were chatting about it on, uh, 
on Twitter. And he's like, well, we can't prove that one right now because he got deleted. But there's this one, and it's him. It's some anti-gay thing in the East Coast going off about how he doesn't understand why he has problems in Utah. Like, Utah is always a very, for those who don't know, which you should, it's a very predominantly Republican state that hasn't voted for a Democrat president since, like, 1964. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's the point now that because he says such horrible things about Mitt Romney and, you know, Mormons in general and the way his xenophobic and everything else with Muslims and debasing religion, which is what the LDS people kind of fled the East Coast from. So they're very, very sensitive to that. It's to the point now that Utah is pretty much a battleground state and we might become a swing state, which means for the first time in my life, I might, my vote might actually matter. And that (laughs) means so much to me. You have no idea. I'm so excited. (laughs) Now, the tweet I have is hashtag Crooked Hillary thinks that she can win in Utah with loser Mitt Romney's help. Uh, who cares about Utah? Small state, strange people, boring place. Yeah, and that's the one that we can't verify. I'm trying to verify. Trust me, I'm trying so hard to verify it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, he's, he, Cinnamon Hitler lives on, so. Okay, anyway, back off of politics, back to... Uh, Back to funny books. Well, it, I mean, and I mean, this is all about politics in this this last issue of the of the thing. So, uh, yeah, he finds these other um, Singapore mutants. They save him. He's like, they're like, oh, humans are bad. And he's like, no, human humans are pretty good people. And okay, yeah. So that so then Magneto tries to erase all racist thoughts out of Captain America's head. And, this and is then my finds out that Captain America comic. actually wasn't racist against mutants in the first place, and nothing has changed. He's like, oh my god, what have I done? And, and this epic. actually, yeah, this is my favorite moment, in, like one of my favorite moments in comics ever, is because I've always viewed Cap as like my moral compass in a lot of uh-huh. ways, ever since I've kind of lost my religion. Uh, and the fact that he sits there and he uses his powers to, you know, I'm going to remove all your, you know, just Cap's like, no, we need to take you in, you need to face justice. And then he blasts him. He's like, I've removed every single thing from your head. Now what do you think? He's like, I think the same thing. Like, I was never fearful of you for being a mutant. Like, I have no racist thoughts against you for being a mutant. And that's just, that's the cap of always own loved. Is that the one who will stand up for whatever's right, whether it's popular or not. Which is why, again, flash forward to Civil War, his speech to Spider-Man. Um, how that's so important to me. And actually, that's how, that's what I'm basing the, uh, the LGBT panel at Comic-Con about. But, uh, yeah, that, I, I totally forgotten that this... I, I read this book a long time ago. I just completely biffed it somehow that I had. Because um, this is, again, one of my favorite moments in you know comic book history that you've got someone so upright that he'll do the correct thing no matter what. Um, and it kind of leads me into my drink, which is a Captain America shot. So what you do is you take a really, really chilled shot glass, like, like in the freezer chilled. Uh, you add some... Uh, uh, grenadine to the bottom, and then you have to use it at the back of a spoon, touch the uh, grenadine, and then you're going to float, so very poorly slow, uh, very slowly pour. Very uh, poorly slow? Exactly, yes. It's, <laughs> been, it's been a long day and the vodka's kicking in. Um, <laughs> you pour uh, cream de cacao, and then you top it off with a, uh, a blueberry liqueur doing the same thing, so you've got a red, white, and blue shot, and it's kind of like a candy chocolate blueberry. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I, actually, I did, I did make one of those, and they were they were... I liked it a lot, but I wouldn't want to have more than like two. Mm-hmm. So, but no, this. So going back to this though, that's I love this scene. I love that he's just there, seeing like, you know, Magneto is just blown away that you don't have any anti-mutant feelings. You never did. He's like, because again, Magneto's used to growing up in this world, whether back from uh, 
beat in Auschwitz and dealing with the prejudice against the Jewish people to now I'm a mutant, everyone hates me. It was just, I think, one of the most eye-opening moments for him that he could ever possibly have, you know, in any storyline or anything else kind of in the Marvel Universe. So after this, basically Magneto volunteers to go up for trial um, with a tribunal basically representing um, uh, three different countries, which, uh, and part of his defense is that um, he uh, doesn't, like, basically he says that he never signed the Geneva Convention and uh, and that uh, these were war crimes or whatever, and he did, since he didn't sign it, he couldn't be held ac- uh, accountable for that. So that leads me to my cocktail. Uh, which is the Geneva Convention, which is uh, two ounces of vodka, half ounce of cinnamon schnapps, and a half ounce of grain alcohol and or Everclear, depending on what you want to call it. Um, so yeah, so that's just uh, basically a little, um, you know, a little cocktail there. So interestingly enough, in this trial, because I have this weird thing where I still feel like in movies and TV shows, the trial should be at least somewhat realistic, and this trial is not at all and annoys me actually to a certain extent. But I posed one of the questions to my brother-in-law, who is an attorney. I texted him uh, this morning and asked him um, if uh, Magneto was put on trial by a tribunal uh, for his crimes against humanity. And his objection was that uh, his acts of war were because of uh, he never signed the Geneva Convention and he didn't recognize the court's authority. What would happen if they agreed or disagreed with it? Because basically that's ultimately what they, they let Magneto free on. And he actually sent me a three-page dissertation on the legal ramifications of all of this stuff, which I could, I might have to just post on our website of all of this stuff. Um, but uh, it's very, very interesting because as I read that, I'm like, I don't think that has a fucking damn thing to do with anything, and ultimately it doesn't. So the trial in this annoys the living shit out of me, to be honest with you. So here's the question I have because of this. Does Magneto ever act as the... Uh, the leader of a land, or is it only his? Uh, has he only ever been based off of his asteroid? No, he also was the leader of Genosha for um, quite a long time. Um, okay. Before then, the Sentinels came and destroyed it, killing I think it was like 14 million mutants. On, okay. On Genosha. Um, but that was also kind of a shysty move on his part. He also went in and. Uh, pretty much demanded you give me this island or I will destroy the world um, mm-hmm. kind of a thing saying that his people needed their own land um, but uh, yeah so he, he was he was a world leader for for a while um, okay but that's not for a long time after this because after this he's he's the leader of the new mutants for for a while he's their mentor and teacher since uh, professor Xavier is now off world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I mean, eventually he does. He does get get his dream of having a, a land to his own people. But that is after the fact of when this happens. Yes, and okay. he he also did have another space station called Avalon for a while. Gotcha. Um, so basically, yeah. um, without going through this entire three page summary of everything he he wrote, which is all very interesting, and I probably I'll have to send it to you because it's pretty interesting. Um, Without him being um, the actual leader of a uh, a government, that whole argument of that he never signed the um, the Geneva Convention means fucking nothing, actually. <laughs> um, absolutely fucking nothing. Uh, which is kind of what I suspected anyway, because um, I kind of the reason why I asked is I thought, well, wouldn't if it, if they did agree with that, wouldn't the trial just end being like, oh, well, we have no jurisdiction here? 
Uh, but part of the thing was is that even um, uh, even an individual person, let's see, an individual person cannot sign treaties, uh, but an individual can be held to its mandates. And Magneto would have to be an international state or an official representative of an international state to have signed it anyway. And and I, I guess what their argument is is that because mutants are not included under these laws um, that they're they're different therefore a new sort of their own nation and once again this is you know obviously up for argument as well but I guess that that's kind of the reasoning they're going with is Correct. that they, they are their own people and the fact that they are not included up until this point that that that's what they're trying to say I mean, okay, well, so, obviously, the point of the story is they just didn't want to, you know, execute Magneto. <laughs> so. I, I, I get that. But so here's this is this comes because interesting. Since you are the X Men expert, you might be able to answer if any of these are the case. There are basically what ended up happening is in this trial, if this were to really happen, um, if, if he was claiming that he was doing these under acts of war, each individual death or murder would have to be analyzed for uh, the following issues. Uh, one, was Magneto in uniform and in compliance with the uh, with uh, the international... Uh, let's see, what is the, what is the uh, IHL references? International Law of Armed Conflict. Um, so, was he always in... If he killed anybody, was he in uh, uniform? Yes, uh, he, he wore his, his red and purple. Okay. Did he ever kill anyone in a position of surrender at the time? Um, as far as I know, the, no, the, 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 during the, the volcano and the submarine attack, the submarine attack, they technically were, quote, in self-defense, but if I remember correctly, that's just them saying that they were in self-defense, they were just scared. Hey, they, didn't they fire on him first? I believe so, yes. Okay. Magneto cannot kill anybody who was clearly out of the fight, whether by injury or by their own will. Well, there were obviously lots of innocent people okay. with, the, with the volcano. I don't know if anyone actually died with the whole volcano thing, but I'm sure people were injured. But here's the question then, if we're going to nitpick this, is so then how could we not accuse the government of the United States for crimes against humanity uh, for... Well, wait, what did they The Geneva Convention was signed when? I think it was um, after World War I. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So when we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I mean, we killed a lot of innocent people. So Correct. Gonna, However, cares. there is a reference to that, and I found that out. Um, so um, if, the mili- if it was um, collateral damage is allowed if a military target is highly valuable or the value outweighs the value of the lives of its citizens, i.e., if... If bombing that area or destroying that area will end the war and save more people in the long run, technically it is held up by the Geneva Convention. Ah. Yeah, no, I literally have a three-page dissertation on all of this, all, all these words. And the funny thing is, this, so this is an interesting summary at the end of it. So, uh, in the X-Men movie, and he goes, I know that's uh, comic books, but that's his frame of reference, uh, since he's an attorney, not a comic book nerd, um, where Magneto and his crew destroy the train station um, and a train car during their kidnapping of Rogue, assuming civilians died and assuming uh it was found to be a continuing part of his war it would most likely be have been found to be in violation of the geneva convention uh he killed unarmed citizens and destroyed non-military target to kidnap a civilian for military purposes you could make the argument that the train station was a legitimate military target but since his actual target was the x-men and the train station was destroyed as a result of an assault on the x-men you uh, uh, you could uh, uh you would have to make the collateral damage argument Anyway, interesting. It is a very, very interesting. Like, because I Thanks, my brother-in-law. Like, 
Yeah. So I'll, no, I'll, and please, yeah, please post that. I would, I would love to read that because I love, I love. I'm a huge law nerd. In case you uh, didn't know, like I love that kind of shit. So I would, I want to dive in and see that. Actually, I've talked to. I, I kind of mentioned to him. I was like, maybe we just have to start a uh, superhero law. Uh, portion on our blog, which I might actually do, and this might be the first post of it. We'll... Um, only, only if we can use the Law and Order soundtrack. <laughs> so, also, side note: speaking of superhero law, since She-Hulk is in this book, She-Hulk's uh, one of her series. She was like superhero lawyer, which uh-huh. was pretty awesome. And one of her cases, which um, sparked some controversy, was she was trying to defend um, Eros, who is Thanos's brother, but he was a hero uh, in some regards. He was an Avenger for a while. And his power is to literally have people do whatever he says. And it's sort of an unconscious power that he has. And so technically any woman who would ever have had sex with him, did he subconsciously use his power to have them have sex with him? And She-Hulk is one of those characters, but she is trying to defend him and so there's just this very gray area of consent happening in that story which is pretty cool hmm. that's actually pretty interesting getting out of the legal issues is there anything else I mean before we could jump into no, how this no so, so uh, Magneto does use his uh, circuit uh, helmet to erase the race the racism out of the uh, Lee tribunals head but now he doesn't know whether or not that the thing still would have ended the same or if you know, he did it, and so then, you know, what have I done? What have I done? And and end of scene. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, it, these these uh, '80s comic books definitely always leave you very uh, not unfulfilled, but just like, oh, that's that's not the that's not the ending that I wanted, and I still feel hollow and empty inside. Well, because it was the '80s, and yeah, because every everybody did. But like, even God, Godman, uh, um, God loves man kills, which is another one that I have have on our list. Another uh, graphic novel um, it was very intense, where it also kind of leaves you like that because like people die, and it's very like awkward, and like, did anyone really learn a lesson? No kind of a thing. Um, so do you want to go around and do uh, final reviews now that we've been left in the void at the end of this book? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's, it's it's an X-Men book. It's Avengers. As I said, it's like the C-list X-Men versus the, the D-list Avengers. It's um, still still fun, as Todd said. It's, super, it's just su- two superhero teams come into conflict, they have to fight, at the end they team up, and uh, because it's the 80s, they don't really save the day, you're just kind of left, ugh, that's morally ambiguous. Um, But I guess the art is not the best. As I said earlier, I'm not the hugest fan of Mark Silvestri's work. I find him, especially during this time period, to be very sloppy. Um, But for the time period, this was very um, normal. Um, it, you know, it wasn't until um, the the boost in the late '80s with Jim Lee and uh, Rob Rob Leefield and um, Todd McFarland, their comic books got a little cleaner. Um, but yeah, it's it's some fun, interesting characters that not a lot of people really know about, like um, Captain Marvel to Doctor Druid. Um, Dazzler and Havoc uh, get, get a little bit of spotlight in it. Um, just 
Superhero fun. Uh, I will. I will give my review. Um, I wasn't a huge fan, actually. Um, I normally uh, am like, oh yeah, it was all great. Like, for me, it dragged a bit. Like, I felt like it's kind of like the, the thing where uh, I've heard of, and Adam can attest to this. Movie critics who how many times they check their watch during a movie. Um, and I'm going, hey, when is this over? I found myself kind of flipping through, being like, how many more pages do I have left in this? Um, mm-hmm. I kind of felt I felt I had to fight through it a little bit. Um, and I felt like the, the fights were a little repetitive, and I felt like... I think one of the things that annoyed me the most was that at, during the trial, they have the one side scene where they're like, oh, well, there's a lot of really interesting points being brought up. Like, they kind of hint at these points, but they don't really fully explore them, and then there's a lot of, like, duos machina kind of getting stuff out. And, like, I know kind of from, um, you know, from a modern standpoint, and that could be totally it, it just... We've read some other older books that I've liked a lot more. Um, this was... This, I mean, I, it was interesting because, like, I, I was kind of curious to see what you guys' opinions were, and I, and I understand why and where you kind of love these. It just, for me, it just didn't resonate as much, and uh, I, I just wasn't a huge, huge fan of it. But that's just me for my two cents. Uh, Adam, you want to give your two cents on this? You know, I was kind of there too. Uh, as we talked about before, one of my one of my favorite graphic novel of all time is the Dark Phoenix Saga, and it was kind of in the same period. It was, you know, a couple years before this. Uh, but it, it, it was, you know, very similar graphic style, uh, art style. And even with, like, the whole, like, oh, well, they don't know I can do this, ha-ha, kind of thing. Uh, I, I kind of felt the same way. Maybe it was just because I wasn't as familiar with the characters as I am nowadays, and even some of the X-Men and stuff beforehand. Uh, so, yeah, it did drag a bit. Uh, it took me a bit to get to the last, up to the last issue. Uh, but that being said, the, the whole thing with Magneto trying to prove that Captain America is a bigot against Mor- uh, Mormons. That's a well-known fact that Captain America loves all Americans except for Mormons. That's, that's you live in Utah long enough and that's all you get. Is either you Anyways, um, that, that is one of the most moving and wonderful moments in comic history for me. I love that scene. Um, it's up there with me with, with Jean Grey's Phoenix sacrificing herself. It's, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. So that's great. I love the ending with Magneto finally being like, oh, crap, like, did I screw up? Like, I don't know if, if my changing the judge's mind, if that was the right thing, because maybe he was on my side to begin with. And now everyone thinks I might have done something and, you know, did this fuck up everything else? And so I, I think the last issue by itself was great. But it's, it kind of felt like a cop out to have the whole X-Men versus Avengers because there's only like two fight scenes. Yeah. And the rest is them versus like the the Soviets. So I don't know. Like I, I'm glad I revisited it because again I hadn't read this in a long time I, to the point that I'd forgotten that I'd read it. It was back probably in the 90s. Um, so it, it was kind of cool to cool to go back. But it's also the same way you kind of look back at other art forms and other movies and TV and it's like going back and watching like a, a 1950s movie that's not really a classic mm-hmm. and you realize we've come so far and like actors yeah. have learned how to act better and directors have better directors now. I mean there are. Don't get me right. There, there are exceptions like Hitchcock and many amazing actors back then. I'll throw in a Joan Crawford for Q. Oh, I, I rewrote, uh, I rewatched uh, Sunset Boulevard last night because it's like one of oh, my favorite movies. Oh, I love Sunset Boulevard. I've, yeah, I've watched that like probably it. once every two months because I love yeah, that like, movie. Yeah, Friday or there's, there's so many great films back then. But for the most part, you're like, ah, we've learned a lot since then. And this book really does prove that. Uh, maybe if Chris Claremont was involved and he'd been writing, it would a bit have been portrayed a bit better, but. Yeah, overall, like, again, I probably won't want to read it again for another decade or so. 
it was cool to go see it again. I uh, got some good stuff for some panels coming up, but uh, it was uh, not that the, the newer X-Men versus Avengers was any better because it had a, a lot of problems, but um, it, it's interesting to see how much we've evolved as a for the comic book genre. So I actually I kind of have a comparison to your your movie thing about old 1950 movies and and the comics. I think in the movies you also had you had. Uh, a pictures and B pictures, and they're cranking out the pictures so fast because of the Hollywood system and things like that. That you know, sometimes the the weaker pictures um, ended up being okay, and then sometimes they just ended up breaking. I'm not. I won't say that I hated this book, but I had some frustrations with it. It's not necessarily something that I am desperate to go back and reread. But oh, it, no, it, I didn't. I didn't dislike it at all. Like I had, yeah. it was it was enjoyable to read, but it's not one I'm excited to go back and like like with a. Uh, Oh shit! We just did it. Uh, Kingdom Come was the one I want to go back and read again because I was kind of pressed for time and I had to kind of fly through it. Uh-huh. But I know I missed a lot. Whereas this one, one read through, even if you're doing quickly, you're going to catch everything. Yeah, and so. also I almost su- submitted. I almost thought we could do a drinking game where every time they flash back through all of uh, Magneto's war crimes, take a shot, you'll be fucked up. Yeah. Oh, we'd be dead. Yeah, the, and the, that's another convention of the time period of comic books where it's like. They weren't sure whether or not everyone got every issue, and they didn't yeah. have trade paperbacks, or it had now been a month since someone had read the issue. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. here, quick recap. Yeah, I, I get that. The, the, I understand the, that. The Friar Lawrence syndrome, as, yeah. as we can we can say, where it's like, hey, if, in case in case you fell asleep, yeah. <laughs> this is what's happened. And what's really funny about that is, is, as much as like we're considered the ADD generation, where you know if you watch a movie like a fight scene or something like that, it cuts every three or four seconds. It's like, nowadays, comics doesn't do that. I mean, they'll throw in, like, hey, you know, this happened or that happened. Yeah. But this is kind of more Gen X comics. You know, that's kind of their their bread and butter when they were in their teens. And they're the ones having to be reminded every two seconds, oh, this happened. Oh, this is being translated from Russian. Like, we, we get it, dude. Like, trust me, we're not stupid. <laughs> it was all the drugs they were doing. You guys were doing a lot better drugs than I was. That's all I got to say. So... <laughs> Okay, uh, Todd, you kind of threw in your opinion earlier in. Do you have uh, anything that you want to add? This message has been redacted by our robot overlords. Uh, cool. Um, so then, does uh, anybody else have any final thoughts before we go into recommendations? Nah. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, so I will start out recommendations, because uh, I have a few, mainly because... Um, I have, well, A, I'm sort of a bachelor this week. My wife is off doing a, a gig. Um, she's doing this high-end car auction. Like, if you see the uh, car auctions on TV, those are like the Walmart compared to the ones she's doing. There's one of the cars that they're trying to sell. It's supposed to go for roughly uh, 18 to 20 million. Like, they're crazy fucking cars. So, oh, well, let me whip out my checkbook. Yeah, I know, right? Well, so, like, the, the car, the, the getaway car we had from our wedding was actually uh, borrowed from the owner of the auction house, and it was a 1914 uh, Rolls-Royce. Um, so yeah, the car was 100 years old when it was driving, well, it was actually 101 years old when it was driving us away from our wedding, which is kind of cool. Um, anyway, so since she's gone, I have been trying to uh, diminish my uh, pile of To Be Read, which, um, I, so I've been reading a lot of stuff. And one, since I have Todd here, I'm going to say uh, thank you and fuck you. Um, Todd, a while back, recommended to me uh, this book called, uh, the series called The Exterminators. And I, he, he recommended it to me, it's like, this is a great book, you have to check this out. So I bought, it only was five trades, I bought the whole thing right then and there. I read the first two and was like, 
I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. Whatever. So I put it on the pile of to be read. So then, like this last week, I'm like, well, I gotta get through those because I'm trying to read down all my, because I'm trying to not allow myself to buy another comic book until I finish off all of my to be reads. So I'm like, well, I gotta go through these. So I start reading it. Halfway through the third trade, suddenly got interesting. And so then I, I, the, the, the second half of the third trade and trades four and five are awesome. It has to, it, it got canceled early. It was a little bit of a Dumas not Machina end, ending, but at that point in time, I really liked it. I also feel like you might be able to skip the first. Well, you can't really skip it, but like it, 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 it's a little, you have to slog through the first two trades a little bit to get into it. But after that, I really, really did like it. Um, so thank you for that, Todd, and, and fuck you a little bit. Um, two recommendations of Jeremiah um, uh, was uh, uh, recommended to us when we were talking about doing some uh, books for this. One of them is called Letter 44, which is about uh, a new president of the United States gets a letter on his desk from the former president and finds out that there is actually a item up in space that they are not telling the American public about and they have sent a crew to go up and find out about it and as he becomes president, that crew is just about to make contact with this space station thing that's in, like, uh, I think Jupiter's atmosphere. And so it's the it's the, the people exploring um, uh, this sort of uh, space entity, and then it's also the president trying to figure out how to handle things back on Earth, um, which was actually really fun and uh, very cool. So uh, thank Jeremiah for that, and maybe we'll have to... It's already on our list of possible traits to do. Um, having read it now, I, I would say... I would say that uh, it's it's a fun book that we might have to jump into a little sooner rather than later. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at those two recommendations because I've read a lot of stuff. Some of it good, <laughs> some of it okay, but I've read a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm catching back up on stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Adam, do you have any recommendations? So, my recommendation is more for a person uh, other than a comic. Uh, Chad Harden is a local guy up here, and he draws uh, the Harley Quinn comics for DC, which actually is like their number one comic, which is yeah. really, really cool. Uh, Chad's a great guy. He's done some really cool stuff. He's a great artist, a nice, like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and he probably doesn't even remember meeting me because it was, it was at a Comic-Con. Um, but he's done some great things like with our friends from Geek Show. He's, he's written them in. Uh, when our friend Jeff Michael Weiss passed away, he kind of, you know, threw in some, group, you know, some background art for him and stuff. And it, it's really cool. But he is coming to Comic-Con this year and he mentioned that you know he's the problem he's having because he you know he has to pay for a booth he has to pay to come up here he's not getting paid to be here and so he just mentioned like hey my problem is I have people coming up and wanting me to sign ten or twenty comics at a time he's like I've been doing this but then no one buys my artwork and this is my business this is how I provide for my family so this year I am going to start charging for autographs and by charging for autographs I mean like five dollars I mean mm-hmm. it's, you know, if you go try to get Mark Hamill's autograph it's two hundred. Um, and people started giving him all this crazy shit on Facebook and like just being like, well, how can you do that? And blah, 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 this and that. And all I got to say is Chad's a great guy. If you go come to Solid Comic-Con, go up to him, buy something from him, you know, get his autograph. He, I'm sure he'll talk to you for a long time. I mean, again, this is his business. This is how he's taking care of his family and hopefully saving up for college for them. Uh, and the fact that you're pissed that a comic book artist who's coming here and paying to be here won't do free shit for you is just it's just proving that the whole entitled geek stereotype, uh, which that's a whole other topic, but 
Uh, no, but seriously, go see Chad. Get some stuff from him. Go to his panel. Uh, he's he's a great guy. You'll love him to death. So that, well, that's my recommendation. Is interesting about that is like at that same Comic Con, people are paying like what fifty bucks to get their picture taken with an actor on a TV show or something like that. Yeah, Which, exactly. It's and and the, most the most the comic book artists charge for autographs, and that's the biggest thing. Is if I'm sure if someone came up with like one thing, that'd be different. But people are coming up with five, six, ten, twenty things. Yeah. And you know damn well they're gonna go flip them on eBay. Yeah. And when you're writing the number one comic for DC, five bucks or even ten bucks to sign a comic isn't that much. Like that's that's a bargain. That's that's a steal. Go see him, see his stuff, and just say hi to him. He's a great guy. Yeah, well, and it's funny. The other kind of thought process. I was talking to Cat um, Martin, who is a very good friend of Adams oh, yeah. as well. And uh, we've been I watch her booth when she goes to pee at Comic Con. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah. So um, I'm trying to get her to do. I hope Jess doesn't listen to this, but I'm trying to get her to do a custom piece uh, for Christmas for my wife. Um, I won't say what it is, so that Jess will be somewhat surprised if she listens to this episode. Um, but uh, so I, I told Cat, I'm like, how much you charge? She goes, oh, well, we're good friends. I'll just do it for you for free. And I was like, no, like. You are an artist. This is your talent. You should be paid for for it. She goes, all my friends who have art for me, I gave to them. I will just do this for you. Just ask me after Comic-Con. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. But, like, so it's one of those funny things. I also think it's part of the Utah thought process of, like, the you have to share your talent. Like, being in theater, I have a lot of friends, especially in Utah, who have that problem of, like, people who are like, oh, well, you do theater for a living. Here, help us with our, our little community or little church show and it's like okay well i get paid to do this yeah. you don't ask the attorney to give you free legal advice at church because he's sharing his talent you know what i mean you expect him to get paid you don't ask the accountant to do your taxes for you you know that's his job and sometimes people in the arts are not perceived as that being their job you know especially in utah they don't necessarily understand that that's that's what people do for a living that's how they pay the rent and stuff like that. and i think it's a weird disconnect that seems, sometimes happens in that culture a little bit yeah and, and there's a difference between wanting to do something nice as a gift to a friend yeah and also like commissioning a piece and being like no no i, I do want to pay you for this so well so that's what i was trying to do she wouldn't let me but so here's my recommendation <laughs> what you do is you get her a card and, you know, you, you sign nice things in it, and then just buy her, like, a prepaid Visa or American Express card for however much you want to spend on it. Okay. And put that in the card because she can't return it. Like, okay. she can't. It's impossible. So okay. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I've done before, and people are like, no, no, don't pay me. I'm like, well, fucker, you're getting paid, so okay. deal with it. <laughs> Off the air, Adam, we may need to discuss how much I need to pay her. But Yeah, and, and casual saying you didn't hear that, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll edit that out. Um <laughs> Cool. Uh, Todd, do you have any recommendations from um, the desert? Don't okay. die. Oh, my God. Seriously, sounds like you're being attacked. Please, <laughs> aliens, let him go. Let him live. <laughs> Todd, are you okay? <laughs> How about Alien transmissions no. from Leave his anus alone. <laughs> Come find me! <laughs> no, how about this, Todd? You can just leave your recommendation in the chat box, and then we'll, Q will give us a dramatic reading. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or I can do it in song. So, you know so while, while Todd is <laughs> contemplating whether or not he's going to type something. Oh, that's a good one, Todd. The pro? I don't know what that means. Okay, it, I can I can. Is it like I can the explain. serve pro? No, what the pro is, is there is um, there's a comic book series called The Boys. Which is a great book um, that uh, is, it's basically about a secret government organization that, um, yes, actually, Adam, that's exactly where that comes from. Because part of the reason why Todd and I became friends um, was I started calling him Pinky because his last name sounds oh, like really? Pinky. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I, I called him Pinky for a long time, and that's before the, the show came out. So, like, the next summer, 
after that show came out, he was like, Pinky in the brain and stuff. And so that's part of how we became friends was because I called him Pinky before that was a thing. Anyway, so back to the boys is basically about um, a group of uh, sort of government. Um, there's a secret government organization that they basically keep superheroes in line. So if a character like a Superman was being a dick, um, these would be the guys who kind of kick the shit out of him and kind of keep, keep him back in line. They're basically enforcers for superheroes. Oh, and this is the one that Seth Rogen's doing for like, was it Showtime? Oh, maybe, maybe. It would, it, you would, you could not, really, you couldn't do it on, um, uh, AMC. on a lot of stuff. The interesting thing, and one of the things that's uh, it's actually really cool to, to look into it is the main character um, on it, it was based after Simon Pegg before he became famous. Uh, it was the character, the guy who drew it, the artist, was a fan of the TV show Space, the, the BBC show. Which is fantastic. It's, it's very good. I love that show a lot. Um, I recommend it to a lot of people as well. Uh, but so he thought, oh, this guy's never even come big in America, so he based the character on it. And so Simon Pegg actually writes a really interesting introduction to, I think, the second volume, where he talks about, you know, you never go to a movie premiere and are surprised to find that you're in the movie and surprised to find that you're actually very good. And he goes, but reading this comic book, that was kind of what it was like. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, look, I'm in this book. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm also really good in it. Anyway, so the pro is in this book, there are, uh, in this series of books, there are basically prostitutes that specialize in dealing with superhumans. And the pro is about a very old, beat-up uh, prostitute uh, from this world. Um, so, uh, and actually, it's on my to-be-read pile. Um, so it will, I will be reading it very soon. So I'm going to take your recommendation, Todd, this week. Um whose battery is about to die. So, Q, you're the last person for recommendations. So, this is a fairly shocking recommendation. So, I watched Batman Superman this week. Okay, I watched it as well, so I'm curious as to your thoughts. And I didn't hate it. Um, So, so here's here's the thing. Wonder Woman, amazing. Please, Gal Gadot continue to just be that it was great. Yeah. She and Todd, she does have the best theme song ever. Oh, it's super cool. Oh my god. Yeah. When she comes in and that guitar started, I was like, Yas Queen, yes. Yeah. It was so so great. So some of my friends that I've talked to talked to this about, they think the reason I probably didn't hate it as much was because I watched it at home so I could mm-hmm. pause it to go yep. to the bathroom. I could check my phone without fear of you know, social shame. Um, yep. And it, it, did you watch the extended version or the, so, uh, the shortened version? This really pissed me off. So I bought like the crazy ultimate edition or whatever. Uh-huh. But the ultimate edition is only on the Blu-ray ver- side. Like you can't just watch it in your DVD player. And I currently uh-huh. don't own a Blu-ray yet, which is also my problem when I bought Avengers, the first one a while ago. Well, I don't if you would live closer, I would just give you one. I have an extra Blu-ray. Well, fuck you just ship that to me. <laughs> I might. Uh, so when when I finally, you know, knock on wood, get a new house, which should be within the next few months. Um, nice. Exciting. Um, I'm going to, because the DVD player that I own is the one that I literally won at Project Graduation after I graduated from, from high school. So, oh, wow. So it's real old. Um, so it's time to get a new one regardless. So so I'm going to get... Um, so I'll get a, uh, a Blu-ray player then. But anyway, so, I, so I just watched the theatrical version. Um, 
But the other thing, like, a lot of the cri- critics that I've, I've been reading were, uh, like, they didn't like it because they felt like there, there wasn't enough character development. And I just kind of want to be like, if Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Lex Luthor, like, how much character development do you fucking need? Like, we've seen, like, 20 movies about these people. They've been around since the 1930s and 40s. Like, fuck, you know, you know who they are. Like you do, I do not need another fucking Batman origin story. Um, Which actually, I love the way they shot that origin story in this one, where when his parents get shot, like that was. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. But, but here's the thing: I feel like I feel like that didn't need to happen until the end when he said Martha. I thought that would have been so much more poignant and way and what much better storytelling than needing that at the beginning of the movie. Because once again. Everyone fucking knows who Batman is. It was literally one of the most successful uh, trilogies in the past, like, ten years. Like, everyone fucking knows who Batman is. We all know that his parents get shot. We all know that he falls down into the into the cave and the bats find him. Like, we don't need it anymore. Well, it's like, how many more times do we have to see Uncle Ben get shot? Exactly. I don't need to see Uncle Ben get shot anymore. I don't need to see Superman growing up anymore. I don't need to see, uh, you know, Batman's parents getting killed anymore. I don't need that. So, well, unless you want to rub one out, so, you know. So the, so the other thing was that I actually liked, I completely forgot that... Batman and Superman's mother's names are exactly the same. I didn't. I, it, I once again, I have known these characters for fucking ever. I watched Lois and Clark. I have read Batman comic books. I have read Superman comic books. I have watched, you know, all all the shows. I did not put two and two together. That fucking both of them, their mothers' names are Martha. Um, I, so I liked that, and I know lots of people make fun of that. I, I also it. didn't hate that part as much. Um, and and another another friend was like, "Oh, and Amy Adams was was such a was such a damsel in distress." I actually did not find her to be a damsel in distress. The only time that she, the two times she needed rescued in the story, well, I guess technically three times. I forgot about the time Lex threw off the building, but that that was to prove a point. That wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like that's her getting into trouble herself. Um, I also like to point out that they decelerate. I liked the fact that, based on the whole, um, I, I think it's a MythBusters where they talk about if if Superman were to sl- save Lois Lane, she'd slice in half between his arms. It might have even been a Kevin Smith movie. And I like the fact that when he catches her falling off the building, he like goes down and decelerates. So I was like, oh look, they got him. Well, yeah, because if you just he just grabbed her and stopped. She's still moving, so it's the same thing as hitting the ground. It, it, it's also yeah, exactly. the same thing as Gwen Stacy. That's why Gwen Stacy does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But 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 anyway, I didn't feel like she was a damsel in distress. I was just like, yeah, she's she's going to drown, so Superman needs to go save her. Now, when she yeah. threw the spear into the water, I was like, girl, you know you're gonna need that later. <laughs> How are you doing? Haven't you seen your movies? I, I know. I'm like, you know you're gonna need that. What are you doing? What are you doing? So, the one thing I will recommend is I, I did start watching the the ultimate cut. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking it in, in steps because it's longer than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's only nine gotten, hours to hunker down, <laughs> right? But I have gotten to the point now uh, where it and, and please go back and watch it again because they do show how Lex Luthor knew from the beginning who. Clark and uh, Bruce Wayne were like he mm-hmm. knew right from the get go. So the moment they meet and he's like, "Oh, Mr. Wayne and Mr. Clark, like, what do you mean meeting here? Ha ha!" Like 
He yeah. knew before that who they were, and he's just a conniving, evil little bastard. And it made me enjoy his character more because the only good thing I could say about uh, his care of uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor was. At least he was having fun in the movie, because, I mean, I don't need all my movies to be slapstick or funny, but every now and then a little bit of levity helps, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that Zack Snyder, I mean, I love Man of Steel, but when I got out of that movie, I was like, whew, I can breathe again. Like, he just, it was so much pent-up emotion. Um, and, and, the, and the thing is that what makes me frustrated about it is that... People are complaining complaining about how serious it is, but then they get really mad. Uh, well, uh, we need a comic book movie for adults. This isn't for kids. And it's just like, oh, uh, okay, so obviously we need to find a happy balance. But it, it's it's so frustrating that it's like, okay, well, then I gave you a serious comic book movie, and now you're all fucking pissed anyway. So mm-hmm. obviously you just can't make any, anyone happy. So my oh. other kind of complaint about the movie, and then, you know, we'll, uh, I'll stop talking... Is um so when the, so when Lois gets back from the desert and she gets in the bath and I'm like okay like gratuitous bath scene whatever I was assuming that she would eventually get out of the bath and that you know maybe she just do the rest of the scene in a robe um, but no she just stayed in the bathtub and I'm just like fuck like why does Amy Adams need to be naked in a goddamn bathtub in this scene this scene would be exactly the same if she was wearing a robe if she put on her pajamas if she I don't know had clothes on. Yeah. Well, it's the little sexy lamp. Yeah. So, so it, 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 was, it was just like it, it. The scene didn't need to happen. However, then later when we got the gratuitous workout scene with Batman, and then the gratuitous I'm making breakfast in my loose fitting pajama bottoms Superman <laughs> scene, I was like, okay, I, I'll give you the bath scene. That's fine. Because damn it, Henry Henry Cavill, holy shit, that man. Is one of the most attractive things I think I have ever seen. Well, when I walked out of that movie, when my friend was all about it, she was just in awe of the Ben Affleck Batman uh, workout scene. And I was like, honestly, he could just like tie me to his ankles and do like chin ups, and I'd be just fine. I'll just sit <laughs> right? there and look up the whole time. I'll, I'll just lay here on your legs, sir. And I've never, I've never been a Ben Affleck. Like, I, he's, a, I love Ben Affleck as an actor and a director. You know, because again, this is Ben Affleck ten years after Geely. That's been over for a while now. Um, but I, I never was really like thought he was that handsome. But goddamn. I mean, I was so. Uh, I, I say, people, go and just enjoy it for a silly comic book movie. It's not that deep. There's attractive people in it. They blow some shit up. Have a good time. And if you're watching the theatrical release, you can start the movie an hour in, and you won't miss anything. uh, Oh my gosh, Gal Gadot. And those dresses that she was in. Yes, ma'am. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. That's Uh, all. Okay. Okay. Uh, No, actually, it was funny. I texted a friend of mine because uh, a friend of mine did uh, two songs for the soundtrack of that movie. Um, And it was very strange, the songs that they chose for them to do. Because I don't know if, if anybody's familiar with um, Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine, his keyboard player slash music director is a, a good friend of mine. Um, he was actually at my wedding, um, so you guys might have run into him. Um, I was drunk at the time. He goes by uh, Bobby Ricotta is his name in that. But so you have Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine doing Cole Porter songs, which is really bizarre because Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine do lounge versions of pop songs, which make you realize how dirty the lyrics are. That's their shtick. And yet they have them doing Cold War, which I thought was very strange. My two beefs with that is one that movie was one, 
way too many dream sequences that didn't really add anything to the fucking plot. Um, like, there's like five of them. I started counting them and texting Jess every time there was a dream sequence. And there's like so, five so yeah, of them. That, 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 was, that was another weird thing where, like, Batman all of a sudden has uh, pro- prophetic powers. That, like, yeah. the, the one in the desert, like, I think the more important part of that isn't necessarily the Batman-Superman fight, but the fact that the parademons are, are on Earth. And I think I think that's more of the hint that's supposed to be happening. Which, whatever it was, I was kind of like, there were way too many dream sequences. Didn't add anything to that particular storyline. Didn't give a shit. The other thing that I had a little bit of issues with was Batman was kind of out of character. Like, he was more of a shoot-first-ask-questions-later and killed a lot of fucking people and a lot of security guards for no reason other than the fact that they happened to be being paid by Lex Luthor. And I kind of, like, that seemed a little weird to me, like, and very out of character, and I'm surprised that more people didn't bring up issues with that. I mean, it's the same reason why people didn't bring up a lot of things until Batman and Superman about the fact that uh, Superman literally destroyed Metropolis. That being said, uh, next week I think we're looking at doing um, Sex Criminals, which or, I'll or give you Dark a quick... Empire, or whatever comes from Amazon first. Who's contract? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first, yeah. <laughs> Whichever's in stock at our local comic shops and or Amazon that we can get here. So we have three on the on the horizon. Um, so I'll just give you, we'll just do a quick little intro to those three. Sex Criminals, I can give you the, um, actually we'll do it this way. I'll give the preview for Sex Criminals. Adam, you can do the preview for um, Dark Empire. And Q, you can do the preview for uh, Judas Contract. That sounds good. We'll do one of these next week. So, <laughs> Sex Criminals, in, f- in five seconds or less, uh, it's not going to be less than five seconds, but... Sex Criminals is basically about a girl who, whenever she orgasms, time stops. Uh, she meets a guy who the same thing happens. She thought she was the only one. She meets a guy. So the two of them, when they have sex together, they can wander through the world and everything is frozen in time. Her uh, library that she works for, that she loves, is about to be shut down. So they start um, having sex in public places. Then when time stops, they start robbing banks in order to make money to basically fight the evil bank that's trying to shut down um, her library. That's the five-second story of the the first trade. Uh, so then, Adam, do you want to do uh, Dark Empire? Yes, and I will say really quickly because we promised this a couple of episodes ago. Uh, Wonder Woman: The Hecatea will be re-released next uh, September seventh, and oh, you fantastic. can get it for seventeen bucks. So nice. uh, for those who are worried about the hundred-dollar price tag, you can now get it for affordable stuff. Um, but yeah, so Dark Empire uh, was when Dark Horse had the uh, the Star Wars series, which they had for decades. And this takes place, I believe it's, I think, about six years after Return of the Jedi. I have to go back to Something look. like that. I, th- I think I just read it, and I think, yeah. yeah. But the basic storyline is that the, the Emperor, Emperor has been resurrected. Uh, by some weird way, he's back, and he's leading the remnants of the Empire. And he fulfills his wish to turn Luke Skywalker to the Sith. Uh, and it's all about... Luke doing that, and Han Solo and Leia and Chewie and everyone trying to redeem him back to the light side. So this was kind of one of the... When they kind of started doing the Star Wars comics back then, this was one of the biggest stories they ever told. And I think even to this day, now that Marvel's taking it back over, it's still one of the most beloved and well-known stories. And I have not read it in a very, very, very long time, so I'm excited to go back and uh, revisit that. So, Cool. And Q, uh, Judas Contract. So Judas Contract is a one of the top ten uh, classic stories of like all time. Uh, the Teen Titans were uh, a, the group of DC sidekicks who band together to form their own team. They have this new uh, teammate named Terra, and 
Uh, one's not really a spoiler because it's really old and has been, uh, once again, it's a classic story. You find out that she has been working for their worst enemy the whole time. And, uh, yeah, it's intense betrayal. Ooh, done, drama, done, drama, drama. done. <laughs> Fantastic. So, one of those will be done next week. And if you want to know which one of those is, you can find and follow us on uh, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, Facebook, or Twitter. Something. The thing. Twitter. Sl- yeah. Stuff. We'll, we'll we'll eventually say what we're doing on there. So uh, check those all out. Uh, like us on uh, whatever device you uh, download this on, if you could, it would uh, help us out. And uh, yeah, if you see us at uh, Comic Con, come say hi. Um, and uh, you know, and you have any questions, comments, concerns, things that better left unsaid, let us know. Uh, until next week, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Uh, tip your bartender, support your local comic shop, and uh, stay hydrated, especially Todd out in the middle of the desert because it's fucking hot out there. Thanks, guys. Peace. Moist. Moist, moist, moist.